So if you have a hard time paying attention during the message, or you're a child, or both, there are some uh, handouts. There are little uh, pieces of cardstock paper. Uh, you may have noticed the artwork that we have uh, on the screens and is up in the back. We had a couple of our younger members help uh, draw the stories uh, that we are looking at during the season of Lent. And uh, there's a big black 40 in the back that we would love to fill with some of the uh, colorful drawings and tellings of the stories that we're looking at. And so um, if you want to grab one of those uh, from the back, and uh, there's some little notes in there about uh, what images can you draw and color in the box to illustrate the story, uh, we'd love to fill that in over the next couple of weeks as we continue through our uh, series of Lent. A number of uh, years ago, I think it was neither Steph or I could remember just now, but three or four years ago or so, we had the uh, unbelievable experience of being able to go to uh, Snow Mountain Ranch, which is at about uh, several thousand feet. It's about 6,300 feet above sea level. It's just outside of Rocky Mountain National Park. And the, uh, the room we were in, when we would pull back the curtains in the morning, we could look out and we could see snow-covered mountains. And when we walked to breakfast, we'd leave our building and we would uh, breathe in the crisp mountain air and we could see snow-capped mountains all around us and evergreen trees and green everywhere. And for almost two weeks, we spent time just loving and living in the mountains. And we were there, uh, we took the opportunity to hike some trails and we walked along streams. And we decided as we were leaving uh, the park one day, we would, we'd stop outside the Rocky Mountain National Park, we'd pull over to the side and we'd take our picture. And so as we did that, we pulled off on the side and we crossed the street and as we're taking the picture, ready to get back in the car, all of a sudden we, we hear voices and just, just off to the side are two moose. And we were closer to those moose than I am to the front row of the worship center. It was an unbelievable, spectacular, incredible experience. And then we headed home. And today's passage is about life in those highs and lows, maybe not lows so much as in the ordinary time. So let's pray. Gracious God, as we open your word and as we reflect on it, we pray and trust that your spirit will speak to our hearts and invite us into the ordinary time where you are. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be uh, starting in Exodus 24, but before we get there, if you've got your Bible open, I want to encourage you to just sort of follow along as we skim the passages to get to where we are. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 6, 
we, uh, we find that the Israelites leave Egypt after 430 years on the 14th day of the first month. So for us, we're thinking, okay, the 14th of January, the Israelites, the night before, have painted blood on their door frames, and they have heard the shrieks of the Egyptians as the angel of, the, of death has passed them over and taken the firstborn sons and the firstborn livestock of the Egyptians And now as they are being led out of Egypt, the Egyptians are literally handing them their golden jewelry, their silver jewelry. The Egyptians are pulling robes out of their closets and they're thrusting them upon the Israelites as they head out into the wilderness. And along the way, just a few days into the journey, God suddenly shows up in front of them. It's a a tornado of a pillar of cloud. And the Israelites don't need to figure out where they're going. Moses doesn't need to know. If you want to know where we're headed, all you have to do is look up. And there is this unbelievable, spectacular pillar of cloud. And then around dusk, as the sun begins to set, that cloud of that pillar of cloud that's spinning right in front of the people of Israel turns into the, the most brilliant blazing orange and red. It's like a permanent sunset of a pillar. And Israel sees in all of the, the spectacular, God is leading them. So for a few days, while all of that leading is taking place, Israel is making their way out of Egypt, and they find themselves pinned at the Red Sea. There are mountains around them, and the Egyptian army is coming down on them. And all of a sudden, Moses stretches out his staff, and the water split. And the people of Israel pass through on dry ground as the walls become wall, the water becomes wall of water. And then they turn around and they watch as Israel puts the staff back down and the water rushes in. And the most powerful army in the entire known world is destroyed. Just like that. And they head out into the wilderness and water appears out of nowhere, out of a rock. And every day they wake up and there's manna on the ground and every night there's quail flying into the camp. It'd be one thing if you could explain it for one day, but for every day, on the clock. The Amalekites come out of nowhere and and God saves them by having Moses keep his hands up. Literally, that's how they win the battle. Keep your hands up, you win. Moses needs help, and so Aaron and her come alongside, and Israel is protected. And so now they have made their way to the base of Mount Sinai. Forty-five days. It's like seeing the Grand Canyon and Fundy Bay and Rocky Mountain National Park and the Smoky Mountain National Park and Banff, and Denali, and Mount Fuji, and the Sahara, and everything in between, all packed into one and a half months. 
And they get to the mountain and God says through Moses, get yourself ready. And so for three days, the Israelites clean themselves up. They get all of the dust from the wilderness off. They settle themselves down. They pitch the tents. They prepare themselves. And, all, and God in his glory comes down and it's lightning and thunder and trumpet sound. It is the most spectacular thing of all that they have seen. And Moses goes up the mountain with the 70 elders of Israel. And they sit down. And God spreads a feast. And the 70 elders eat and drink with God. That's quite a 45 days. Twenty-four, verse twelve. The Lord said to Moses, "Come to up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction." So Moses set out with Joshua his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, "Wait here for us until we come back to you." Aaron and her are with you, and anyone involved in the dispute can go to them. So Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain forty days. And 40 nights. Moses says to the elders who have just eaten with God, wait, I'll come back. And what happens next, of course, if you have your Bibles open, is that in chapters 25 and 26 and 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, if you kind of go through all of it, you can see that God lays out for Moses how to build the tabernacle, how to build the altars, how to make the clothes for the priests, what kind of festivals, how do you do all of this to be and remain in fellowship with me? And the sense that we get is that for Moses, this time on the mountain, this 40 days goes by in the blink of an eye. After all, he is in the very presence of God. And we don't, we're sort of left to wonder in the meantime, what's happening for all of the Israelites? If Moses is up on the mountain, he's in the cloud, and the elders are simply told to wait What's happening with them? And so we have to skip ahead to chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 4. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come make us gods. A little footnote will say, or a God, who will go before us. 
As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered him, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their offering earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him, made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then he said, they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. The reality is that for most of us, our days are the same. Most of us, when we wake up, the same joint that hurt yesterday hurts today. We might get lucky once a week, and the 12 joints that hurt yesterday, only 10 of them are inflamed today. For those of you who don't have joint pain, you'll get there. Just listen. For others of us, we wake up, maybe not because the alarm has gone up, but off because we woke up in a panic, knowing the 12 things on our list are going to be 15 by the time the day is over. And we know we don't have enough time. And it's that way every day. We wake up, we get a breakfast. For most of us, it's the same thing. It's the Wheaties, it's the oatmeal, it's the Cheerios. Maybe if we really go crazy, we'll, we know we have breakfast, a breakfast meeting, and so we'll get eggs and toast. But for most of the time, we eat the same thing every day. The lunch we pack is the same. Maybe it's leftovers, but usually it's the same sandwich. We've been eating peanut butter sandwiches our entire life, or maybe it's the yogurt and fruit, whatever it is. And if anyone tries to disrupt that routine, we become upset. It's ordinary. And when we get ready or we try to coax our joints into action, we're reminded that the appliance that was broken yesterday is still broken today. That the phone calls we need to make are still there. And even when we make the three on the top, we have added three more. And Monday becomes Tuesday, and Tuesday becomes Wednesday, and, and though the days are long, the weeks are short. And we find ourselves a little bit like the people who have watched Moses go up into the clouds after having just witnessed the most incredible things. I mean, it is easy on the one hand to look at these, this passage like this and say, Israel, how do you turn your back on God? He's just brought you out of Egypt. But then we, we sort of have to try to put ourselves in their shoes. And, and I get it. When we're at Snow Mountain Ranch up in the Rocky Mountain National Park, it is unbelievable. And when we're driving home, and the very first thing that I got to do when I get home is put someone in the ground because they passed away when we were gone. A beloved saint. Talk about going from high to low. Talk about spectacular and extraordinary to ordinary. The test of the 40 days for Israel, not for Moses specifically, but for Israel, 
is not so much to continue to believe that the God of salvation who has rescued you from Egypt, who has brought you through the Red Sea, who has saved you from the Amalekites, who has given you daily provision each and every day, who has done all of these extraordinary things from sunup to sundown. It's not so much that. But it's when you're walking on the desert sand where you keep moving forward. And when God and the pillar which settles on the mountain as a consuming fire says, just wait. Do we have the discipline and the trust of God to wait in the ordinary time in between? If you were like me, it has been fascinating to watch and follow along with the Asbury Revival. If you haven't heard of this, on February 8th, just a little bit less than a month ago, there was a chapel service that took place at Asbury University. And as the story goes, the the speaker gave sort of an ordinary talk. In fact, he texted and called his wife later and said it was kind of a stinker. He thought it was terrible. Didn't expect anything. But after he left and almost all of the other students left, a few few hung around. There was about a dozen or so, and they stayed back, and they prayed, and they decided they were going to hang out, and they were going to sing. And suddenly the thick presence of the Holy Spirit filled that room. And the students who stayed, a few of them went to class and then came back and found that the, the small gathering had become a large gathering. And, and pe- pretty soon people were pulling mattresses into the chapel. People were grabbing their guitars and they were going in and they were singing and praying. Listen to one interview with a student who said that when he entered into the, over the threshold of the chapel, what immediately struck him was the fact that he had not been reconciled to one of his fellow students. And so he looked up, and there was that student. They confessed their sin to each other, and they were reconciled. The thick presence of the Holy Spirit descends, and it is an extraordinary event. And then you read... And after a week or so, the school officials decide that on the 24th of February, we are going to end the revival, which is sort of ironic. How do you decide when and where the Holy Spirit is going to show up and how, when and where the Holy Spirit is going to stop showing up? And yet the school officials recognize that what was happening was not so much that the students of Asbury were We're continuing to be filled with the Spirit, continuing to confess their sins, continue to be reconciled with each other, continuing to pray and worship, but that somehow word had spread and now celebrities were coming and thousands were lined up outside in order to get into that chapel. And people were writing on Twitter that they're heading to Asbury hoping to get up on stage. What an arrogant thought. And worship leaders were hoping that they could get up front and lead the the service. 
There's something in us. When we wake up with our joint pain and our oatmeal and our list of things, we lose sight of the reality that the Spirit is no less present in that Is his presence thick at Asbury? Yes. And we should give thanks to God for that revival and pray that every college campus and university campus and church and place of worship all over our country and world would be filled with that thick presence of the Spirit where confession takes place, where reconciliation takes place, where people come face to face with the God who made them and are drawn into his presence through his son, Jesus Christ. But the vast majority of us find our days, like the people of Israel, not so much in the cloud up on the mountain, but in base camp down below. Where God says, wait. We're going somewhere. I'm getting you to the promised land. I'm getting you to the place that I have promised to take you. But on the way, you're going to see extraordinary things. And there's going to be things that hold you tight and hold your faith at bay so that in the ordinary, in the meantime, in the day-to-day grind, you will continue to trust And see that the Spirit of God is just as present. The test in this 40 days is to see that God is no less present on the top of the mountain. That he is just as present. That he is just as in front of the people on the ground. And that for you and I, in the ordinary, day-to-day, walking, God is with us. And his spirit is moving in us. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for the extraordinary, for the times in our lives where we can look back and we say, oh, that was so good. It was so amazing, so spectacular. Those are mountaintop experiences. And God, we confess that all too often we, we live for the mountaintop, forgetting that your spirit is just as present in the ordinary in-between. God, however we come today, some of us, we are on cloud nine. We're flying. God, we give you praise and thanks because we know that those experiences are few and far between. And so we lift up our brothers and sisters who are in that time that they may find incredible joy, that they may be filled beyond their understanding. They they might know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. But for the vast majority of us, God, we're going to go home and we're going to look at the calendar 
And we're going to know it's going to be another week. It's going to have doctor's appointments. We're going to be caring for people that are difficult. We're going to have meetings, tough conversations, and everything in between. And God, our prayer is that in that ordinary, you would fill our eyes by the power and the blessing of your Spirit to see you, to know you, and to know we are loved by you. In the strong and close name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.